Feeling brown, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip. Got me feeling kinda sad, but we glad. I sleep up your whole bag. Selling my chairs to get a couple sets. I'm sucking next week, cause I hit my limit. Never with a swan just to get some digits. Good for you to stay back. I ain't talking fence. Okay. What's up, guys? Welcome to Have Fun Stacking Sats. Today, I have False Faucet. False Faucet is an OG Bitcoiner, a legendary stack chainer. And uh, aside from being a legendary stack chainer, he also operates the stack chain mempool. What's going on, False? How's it going, man? Hanging in there, Ant. You know, living another day here. Uh, tired after work, but, you know, glad I got the weekend coming. How about yourself? TikTok next block. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, it's our, it's around Thanksgiving time right now, so traveling around, eating food. Yeah, I had, a, I had a good day stuff. yesterday with the family. Um, got like nephews and stuff. They're always crazy, man. They were like the entertainment for the night. It was uh, it was it was a good time. Definitely, definitely. So false. What was your uh, Bitcoin journey like? Tell us about your Bitcoin journey. Okay. Um, so the, the, the thing I, that really kind of pulled it all together for me and I figured it out like after like two or three years of being in it, people talk about touch points with Bitcoin, you know, um, you might hear about it and just a random conversation you're hearing or something. And, uh, what is that? You never think about it. You hear it a second time. It, it clicks a little bit more. You're a little bit more interested. And then, you know, usually like the third or fourth touch, it's like you're either in it or you're not. It's kind of like a almost like the um uh what's the like the fermi paradox you know where it's like the uh the great filter of like right. what, like correct like gets you through the like the next like kardashev scale society or whatever like it's like that for bitcoin like there's feel like there's so many touches and you either get it or you don't um first touch was in 2013 in college um roomed with a bunch of baseball players um tried to help them you know, Silk Road stuff, but I was just the nerd on the floor. So, you know, they came to me and I, I didn't know anything about it. First touch, didn't pay any attention to it. Heard about it again in uh, 2017. So like after it was running up and then this whole block size war and um, I didn't have like a concept of, of any uh, of these like core ideas of Bitcoin money you know uh, i was a nerd but i didn't have like the computer science background of a you know nerd if you will uh so you, you weren't it, you weren't that kind of nerd yeah i was i was yeah <laughs> i was a nerd but i wasn't the useful nerd right uh <laughs> then uh so block size wars and stuff and then of course like anyone else i got into fucking shit coins and like it was funny the other day i, I don't remember where i saw it it's probably in my um the uh the app i use for for uh podcasts i still use google fuck it um sorry uh are we allowed to swear is that uh um yeah until youtube bans us or something i, okay. I have no idea so okay. we're still sorry. doing this so I, I don't think we get enough attention that's fine <laughs> i didn't i didn't want to just come on and start dropping f-bombs um anyways so block size wars shit coins 
and to see this podcast pop up. I remember this was called like bad boy crypto or some bullshit like that. And I had this like realization moment of like, it was how stupid some of these people were. That was also like, like they were just, they were just shills nonstop. They would show anybody that would come on their podcast. They didn't give a shit about any like quality of any of the quote unquote projects. And it was like listening to that bullshit for like a month or two. I was instantly just like, this is not, these aren't good people, you know? And then, so it was, you know, I had some Bitcoin, obviously, um, you know, had some ETH, um, but it, it was that like 2017 and like the bear market of 2018 when I like started to buy and, and, you know, the conviction of just going all in to, to Bitcoin and getting rid of all the bullshit, um, just it like brings an inner peace, man. I don't know. It's it's just something about it. Like I just the the security that I feel, and the um, the securities that it gives. Like it's just it was like a whole different experience. And then learned about money and like because of course at the time I think like most people it was number go up, right? Sure. You know I still had this fiat mindset of like you know I was just learning about stock market and stuff, and it was like oh how can I invest and and make more fiat dollars and as I learned. And then like the biggest thing for me was learning about money and like, what is money and, you know, how it affects your life. Even, you know, we talk about, we've talked about in the past as, as being Americans, there's certain, you know, you're almost like, I don't want to say blinded to it because you feel it, but it's just not as prevalent. Um, it, you don't feel it as much as people in other countries that, you know, are affected by what uh, the U S does with the dollar. Um, yeah, on and, a, on a and, good year, our dollar is only debased two percent. It's hardly noticeable. Correct, and yeah. it's yeah. So realizing all that was <clears throat> was like totally the the orange pill moment of like, oh, this is like fundamental to like society and commerce, and our money is shit. And like, here's this thing that like I thought I was just gonna sell in a couple years, maybe for more dollars, and it's like I don't even want dollars anymore. Like. It, and then that whole transition, um, you know, some people, you know, talk about how it changes their habits and stuff, you know, because it changes your time preference. A, a lot of my habits haven't changed, but the my like. My savings is like on a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I can appreciate that. So um, th- there's a lot to unpack there. So like what what separates you, you from shitcoins? What separated it for sh- from shitcoins for me? It was yeah. it was. Like I said, it was the after so long of this unit bias that like, oh, I can buy you know, 10, I can buy a million of these of these coins. And if it goes up a penny, like oh, I'm a rich guy, you know, like yeah. I just made a year of salary. And it was just, just yeah. And, and people can do that. Like I always like to say, well, listen, you, you can try and do that. That's just not me. I'm I'm not a good trader. I tried to trade Bitcoin before that. That is not what I want out of it. Maybe I, you know, like I said, we talked about, it. I wanted that before, but you just progress away from it. You, you, you realize what you, ha- what you can have, like that actually, so, so I, I feel like there's a connection because I've now I've, I've heard like three or four people say it. And the big thing about shit coins is like that, that established connection to fiat. Right. So when you, a lot of people buy Bitcoin for NGU, they, they see mm-hmm. the volatility, 100%. And then they see the price is low and they're like, oh, this might be a good time. If I buy it now in a year or two, it could be worth a lot. I'll make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. So if that's where you're at, then 
you know, shit coins can be pretty compelling for that exact same reason. So yes, the, the separation from shit coins typically happens when you understand that Bitcoin is not that kind of thing. It's something different. It's its and own piece. When you get to the point where you're like, no, you know what? I don't think I am going to sell my Bitcoin for dollars. Then suddenly, oh, yeah. okay, why do I even have these shit coins in? Because, Correct. It, yeah. I, I tweeted something out before that's like, I feel like because that is such a normal progression we see of people coming from like a no coiner being like a pre coiner, a shit coiner, and then a Bitcoiner. You can almost kind of see it like a, yeah. a path that most people take, right? And it's this fiat mindset that has you, like you said, you're thinking about number go up. You're thinking in dollar terms. You're 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 thinking how can I make more of this money that I you know I trade my time for. Like that was another big thing for me. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but like people always said like money is time and time is money. And you know you hear all these adages that you, as you get older, different sayings like once like understanding money, that whole thing was like I was like holy shit like that is factual. Like you go to work to get paid. And you're going to pay someone else to do something to save you time so that you don't have to do it. It like it that was like mind boggling once that settled. And I feel like that's part of like once you understand money, you 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 like you said, you go from this like you're about the fiat gains to, you know, because in 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 that mindset, that is that is your savings. That is you're trying to get more money, more value saved so that you can do less things in the future or just, you know, God forbid, preserve the value that you create. And once you realize that Bitcoin is a better vessel for that, it's like, I don't care about number go up. I care about, you know, we talk about sats go up like that's right. as long as you right. got more sats tomorrow than you have today. I mean, that whole mind shift uh, or mindset shift is is crazy. That's a very good point that you brought up. The um, the idea of savings is ingrained in us right so like go to work or like go to school do good go to college get a degree get a job earn mm -hmm. money um but like what is money is never presented to us that's just it's the green stuff <laughs> it's a spreadsheet it's 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 numbers on your bank app and so we just accept that because there's no other way to measure it. And then once you start measuring value in Bitcoin, you notice a difference. Um, oh, well, there was another thing that you were saying. Um, completely and totally slips my mind. Um, but yeah, essentially, the what is money thing is completely lost on people because people... They learn the value of money in our society and culture. Like they mm -hmm. learn that they have to work for it, but they don't actually learn what money is. So what do you think one of the most compelling pieces of uh, what Bitcoin is, like how it is money that really like was like a light bulb? Well, I think I, I talk about maybe in, like a piece <laughs> that I read that I thought um, – explained it very well and you know i'm not necessarily a math guy but like i'd rather understand like you know like or someone give me like you know numbers to show a proof rather than just being like a philosophical type of thing right you know what i mean i, I kind of like hard data right i mean that's why people like bitcoin right? i can verify like i 
not like just taking someone's thoughts. Um, and as much as I'm not a big fan of his anymore, Breedlove made that. Um, uh, what the, oh shit! What's the name of it? It was um, talking about agri beads and all that. Um, sure. Um, uh, hold on, I got to figure out what that is now. It's bothering me. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, but anyways, it was that, and they were talking about like like going through like the slave trade and talking about how stuff was, you know, the, the money was exploited and they just mass produced these, you know, glass beads because they had a, you know, they were further, um, they were able to produce them much cheaper than what the economy that used them perceived the work to take to produce them. So they just flooded it and basically like bought slaves and talked about like the time theft involved with it. Agri beads is one of the most heartbreaking examples that's given in things like the Bitcoin. So for, for those of you who don't know, um, throughout history, uh, money has been different things. Money is actually a technology. So, you know, I'm sure that you're aware of dollars as money. I'm sure that you're aware of gold as money, but throughout history, there were other things that were money in Africa, uh, pre-colonialization, there were some places in Africa where the money they used was glass beads because glass beads were very difficult to manufacture. Uh, to manufacture, they're portable, like you put them on a string on a necklace. They're divisible, so it's like, you know, it could be uh, ten glass beads for, I don't know, a chicken or twenty glass beads for a goat. It worked really well. It, it's a pretty ingenious system. When uh, these places were, you know, discovered by colonial powers, the colonial powers recognized that they were using these agri beads as money. And because the colonial powers were industrialized, they could go back to their home country and use machines to mass produce these beads. So this whole economic system that these these, you know, particular people in Africa were using was based on the difficulty and the scarcity and the proof of work of beads. And then the colonialists just came in and were able to just mass produce their money. They bought everything. They destroyed their economy. And by the time that was done, their money, they, they started calling it slave beads. So their money actually turned against them and enslaved them because you know, uh, mass production of money. And it, it happens time and time again in history. Same thing happened yeah. with sea, with seashells, uh, rye stones. Well, you um, see these, you know, each yeah. of these small different areas, you know, before that we were such a globally connected world or like interconnected world, everyone had their own little subset economy that used their own money. Like some were shells because shells were rare there. But, you know, if you're calling me on the beach, close to water a lot like you couldn't use shells there you know the, the whole idea of money with it being uh some type of scarce asset that you know at the end of the day does take time to either acquire or produce and like you talked about them coming in and just being able to because they were more industrialized nations they were just able to abuse it and it's terrible but then you, you see other things like i don't know if you know much about like i, I know a little bit with the rye stones i can't remember what island it is but that's one of the more peculiar ones where it's like, you know, these Palau. Okay. I feel like, okay. I feel like it's Palau. Yeah. I couldn't remember. But like, you know, you have these giant stones that that like almost the proof of work is like moving them. Right? Yeah. Like you want this, you I owe you, you know, you gotta move it over to your farm for that goat. Or, you know, I'm not sure if that's exactly how it worked. Um, but I can just imagine these different, you know, 
mechanisms for making I, something. I actually know that. If you so Yeah, go ahead. The rice stones, they're made out of a stone that's not found on the island. Okay. okay? So in order to get oh, the rice stones, you would now. have to go, go to another island and they would have to manufacture the stone from that island. And these things were enormous. Yeah. Take it on a canoe and bring it back to your island. So as a result of doing that, they were scarce. Yeah. Because you had to you and a bunch of your buddies had to get your asses on a boat <laughs> and go basically grab a giant rock and float it back <laughs> Sail to the island. Back. Yeah, that, that's and pretty dangerous. The proof of work on that was so spectacular. It worked so well. They didn't even move them. Like once, like they would just get it on the island. Mm-hmm. And because it was a like a monument, everybody is just aware of it. Yeah. So if I made a transaction, I would just be like, uh, rye stone that's by the three palm trees, that no longer <laughs> belongs to me. I give yeah. it to False because False built a house for me. And the stone okay. itself didn't actually move. Never move. Yeah. It was a ledger. It was just a social consensus ledger system. Okay, okay. It was so good. It was so good that they had one rye stone that they brought to the island. But before it got to the island, it like the boat overturned or something Thank. and fell into the water. And it fell so far that nobody could see it. But enough people remember seeing them brought it that they're like, that counts. <laughs> so the rye stone at the bottom of the water yeah. was a part of the it's, ledger system. Was, it was it was in the it was in the circulation. Despite the fact that they can't see it. They well, see, just, that's interesting. Everybody just agreed on it. Yeah, because I mean I guess I'm just overthinking this, but also you would think that they would have to have a semi well, I guess they at the time you didn't know anything else. You didn't, you know, you weren't ever going to expand off of this island. You know, I guess it was very, I don't want to say short sighted, but limited on the scope of, you know, the greater possibilities. Because, you know, if you're going to move to a different, well, I guess it doesn't matter because no one does move them, right? Like you said, it's all no, just. I mean, they hey, lived I there for the generations. At the bottom of the lake. It, and it and it worked. It worked for them. Um, yeah. You know, and and I mean, these things are just a function of the world becoming a smaller place because of industrialization. So the same yeah. thing that happened to the people in Africa yeah. happened to to the people that used the rye stones. Some random, I think it was a, I think it was a Irish explorer found them, okay. and then he figured out that they were using these stones for money, but because he had like steam powered ships, or maybe not even steam powered, just better sailing vessels. Yeah. He just went to the island with modern off. tools, carved up a whole bunch of rocks, brought him back. Now he's the richest man on the island and yeah. um, just screwed up their whole economy. But before the economy got destroyed, he got to spend all that money. Yeah, he was he was he was, the, you know, as we say, he was, he was the contillionaire of there. Right. He was the closest it's, it's to the seniority. money spigot. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, exactly it's exactly what the Fed is doing right now. Exactly. It's, and then once, have, you, once you get that and yeah. then you realize that Bitcoin is a money for everybody, like, you know, within it's, you know, if you looked into that, like it's hash horizon, like so that could even be past Earth. You know, like you could still be in sync with the blockchain if you're within like, you know, I think they said like within like six minutes of uh, because on average, obviously, it's 10 minutes, but, right. if, you know, you get blocks right. quicker. But so just the concept of that being able to to service everybody and, and everyone any, everywhere is just, it, it puts it, it just puts it on like a whole other thing. With, with L2, you can service the entire universe. Layer two. Well, I mean, I would say, I don't know enough about that. 
I guess the uh, the one thing I saw cool that they were talking about is having like, you know, ones that just have different hash horizons and, you know, yeah. they would just sync with each other. It would be like almost like a whole nother node that's syncing with like the Earth node. I mean, I don't know exactly how that works. That's real like philosophical shit way above my uh, knowledge level. But it's just really cool to think about. Did you watch any of the or see the time chain codex that um, Fractal Encrypt and some of the other guys did? Um, no, but I, I remember the discussion about the idea of slowing down the blockchain okay. so it could reach further out. So the, you're talking about a longer block time average yeah. so that the hash so, horizon, which would be the, the, the space that could still be in sync with the blockchain, um, yeah. would be greater. I, yeah, it's like I said, I, I don't know. That's way above my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not that smart, but what, what, uh, fractal encryption he's the one that does all those those that artwork those full right? node sculptures yeah they yeah. did a bunch of uh they put together a little story like a little uh fan fiction type of thing and did all the art with like ai generated art um like mid journey and stable diffusion which are these um you know prompt based ai art generating uh ais it's really really crazy stuff that you can do and they're just getting better and better um but yeah they did a really good job they open sourced it pdfs free to download Anybody can go download it and check it out. So it's it's really cool. If you like that like science fiction stuff, and and you're into Bitcoin, it's a really cool mashup. I would highly recommend. Well, I I, I also figured like with an L two because as long as the the time chain is functioning with some kind of L two, you have a multi sig agreement that you can sync to the chain, right? So you could say. Here's a multi-sig agreement, and we're gonna time lock this in for, I don't know, a hundred thousand blocks or okay. something, or two, like a really long time. Yeah. And so, all Bitcoin that transfers in this multi-sig, it all happens okay. in this L2. I see thing. where you're going at. So that way, let we'll say let's let's call it like space lightning or something. Okay, so <laughs> like you take your that. space lightning, you take it to like whatever planet, and you're doing whatever because of the time lock back on Earth. You know that nobody's rugging you while okay. you're it's away just, from the you know. It's the same concept of how yeah. lightning works now, where you're just locking up funds on chain to be able to use in a second layer that you know will settle then eventually to the the main thing not the main thing the main precisely thing, the base layer um yeah and that's that that's cool and that that's the other thing too is like you know people always say that's you know it's cliche oh we're so early i seeing how like lightning is developing and um just like even just being one of those people that run a node and just saying like that's what i'm looking for like ancillary to stuff like i'm not even like deep dive into it but like just seeing all the stuff that's being being put together on this is it, it's it's crazy. I I don't know when I when I first found Bitcoin and came into Bitcoin. I like I said we always talk about number go up, but it was like oh this is like a, a ledger where I could just like move funds and just like the how much that has been ab ab not abstracted away but expanded on and the, the different things you could do. Um, I don't know, man. I just. Every day my mind's blown, and since PB, man, that's just like <laughs> I need, I need to, I need to do something. Like I put in some job apps, I found some miners around me. One guy told me to, you know, call him back in in spring, so um, that was cool. Um, we'll see oh, what goes nice. on with that. Yeah, I mean, it could just be like, hey, you know, we're not dealing with this right now. Try again later. 
but it wasn't like an outright no. So I was like, okay, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, just being around Bitcoiners was like a whole nother experience too. And, um, you know, I'm sure everyone probably dealt with it at Thanksgiving, but you know, I've got relatives that know I'm the Bitcoin nephew or whatever. And everyone wants to like throw shade and, you know, and we, we love- live in two different, two different worlds for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And like, it, it's like funny. It's crazy. The play, the world where Bitcoin discuss Bitcoin is like, there's like an entry fee to just enter that world. And it's, I would say it's like hundreds of hours of education, but not necessarily. Well, that's, just, that's just to feel confident enough to, to talk in the conversations. Right. I personally, yeah. when I first got into it, I was so reserved and I didn't even have like a, a Twitter account for the first year. I just, I just lurked. And then you build up this knowledge and like you said, hundreds of hours, and then you feel confident enough to where you feel like you can contribute useful information. I mean, I think that that was a big step. So I don't even think that's it. So, for example, earlier you said that, you know, saving your time and energy makes you feel secure, right? Mm -hmm. So to people who don't understand Bitcoin, that sounds foreign. Like you just said that. Um, you know, saving my time and energy in marbles makes me feel secure. They just, they, they don't have the concept. It's just like, what? No, you, that's what dollars are for. Bitcoin, yeah. man, that goes way up in value and then it comes down in value and then it was all the way up here and then it crashed and it was all the way up here and then it crashed. So like that's, that's their, they're, they're just like, wait, so, I mean, do you feel like, you know, driving 200 miles an hour on the freeway do you feel secure about that they just it sounds like crazy talk yeah so to go to a place where there are not bitcoiners it's like you can't even have the conversation because they're not like caught up with like core they, don't have the, they don't have the prerequisites <laughs> if i started if if i started talking about rhinestones and agribeads <laughs> I don't even have to mention the word Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were just like, no. what the hell is this guy talking about? Yeah. Um, but like you said, it, it is just two different worlds, man. And it's, it's that, that transition from one to the next. Um, it's a, it's a big step, you know, and it's, it's, it, it, you know, it, we, we take it for granted now, but I, I think I could look back and say it was a difficult step. Like it was this idea of like foregoing what I thought about not only my government, but about the money I use and, you know, how I thought the world worked, how I thought the world like, you know, might have been kind of fair and like letting go of because, you know, like as you grow up yeah, and you, yeah, but you see, that's that's the thing. People know the world is not fair. Yeah. People know the system doesn't work. Yeah. They know everything's wrong. They know things are not right. They just don't have right. the right answer for what the problem is. But yeah, the, just that taking that step towards Bitcoin is just like it's it's a bridge too far and obviously it's because it's like learning another language like we all grow up our native language is dollars Mm -hmm. so like even the idea of like pricing something in sats is like a translation right you're just like okay this is um this candy bar is a dollar that's two thousand sats or fifteen hundred or whatever yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like speaking a, a different language and um so i get that barrier but there's even more than that because like a- as a bitcoin i went through all these steps just like you explained where mm-hmm. 
Um, I there was that first touch with Bitcoin. I bought some. It was all about NGU. I'm gonna be rich. Woo. Okay, that didn't happen. And then it's shit coins, and then it's learning. And I had a very good understanding of Bitcoin and knew for sure that I shouldn't be holding all these other shit coins and I shouldn't have Ethereum. They serve no purpose, mm-hmm. but I still held on to them for a long time. Yep. And so, you know, because logic and conviction are like not the same thing. Doubt yeah. is so much stronger than logic. Oh, sure. You know, if you, um, if you walk up and down the stairs to your home every day, logically those stairs are safe. If one person says, oh man, I think you, are your stairs okay? You might fall through those stairs. <laughs> now, like no, forever, good. you're afraid to walk up and down the stairs <laughs> that you've been walking up and down because doubt, doubt is so much stronger than, yeah, than logic. What, so I, I, I can see by the look on your face that you understand what I'm talking about. So what do you think yeah. are some of the things that can just like get people past that doubt <laughs> to accept logic? Well, I think it's yeah, like I think people are predisposed to to Bitcoin to an extent. Obviously, like you you know, libertarians have this like freedom mindset that is very you know gels well with Bitcoin. Um, I think I think you know also just like you have to have a like innate like just curiosity, right? Because like there was no you know. In the beginning, there was no, in my mind, there wasn't any, before I realized that number go up was a thing, there wasn't like any financial gain out of it. I was like actually intrigued as what was going on. Like, how does this work? What is this? What is all this, you know, Bitcoin shit they're talking about? Um, but as you, like we said, as you, as you see it for what it is, um, it, well, it takes courage too, because you have to make that step. It, it, it's it not like something courage. that somebody's yeah. going to do for you. You know, you have to kind of, you have to have like this whole mind shift of of what you like I said like just how you think the world works and maybe like I said this could just be me maybe I was naive you know I will be the first one to maybe say no, that. no I don't think but, so but just like just the whole the whole turn on its head of um but I think that's also part of just getting older you know if you've been on this planet longer and longer you start to look at things differently maybe. but being able to ask questions. My, my parents did a very good job of allowing me to ask questions that maybe weren't popular. Like I did my senior project on the 9-11 conspiracies and I went to school and talked about how like, oh my God, hey. And at this point there was no like political knowledge around it. It was just, you know, oh, these people are talking about like, oh, these planes can't do this. Well, can it? Like, well, let me look into it and blah, 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 blah. Most parents are like, hey, you cannot do that. Same with my school, right? My teachers knew what my project was. But they allowed me to have this curiosity to ask questions that might, you know, step on toes. And so it was very easy once like, oh, well, this is what I thought money was. And someone's telling me something different. It's like, oh, well, like, I want to jump into that. And I always like to say, like, I like to I like to understand the conspiracy theory. I don't like to I don't like to um, to what's the word I'm looking for. Like, I don't want to make guesses. I don't want to be that. I like to talk in facts, right? So there's like certain things that are factual about conspiracy theories. Now, if you want to draw those lines, oh, I get it. But if you talk about the facts and just lay it out, a lot of the times, I mean, the, the lines kind of, you know, draw themselves. 
um, for certain things, of course, right? I'm not trying to get into like a broad term of conspiracy theories, but there are certain things that's like, you know, like especially what you see now. Like at first I thought people talking about the, the World Economic Forum and all this shit were like crazy. And then you start to just read and like go, you know, ask the hard questions and do your own research. You know, that's the biggest thing. Like I'm going to call out people on Bitcoin Twitter because I hate it all the time, but they'll repo shit that is fake. And it's like you talk about, you know, verify, don't trust yet. You're just sure. because it's because it's your bias and it's what you think is is the way it is. You just retweet it. And it it irritates the shit out of me because it's like this. I think that's one of the best memes of Bitcoin, right? You don't trust verify. Like don't you have everything verify. at your disposal to yeah. not have to do that. Or or should I say to minimize the trust or at least be able to choose who you put trust in? Because I'm not a coder. Like I'm not writing up my firmware and software for my signing device. Like I use one that I buy from a company. I input in it. I put some trust in them that they are doing with, with the machine what they say they are. Yeah, there's open source code. Can I read that code? Nah, not really. So is that really for me verifying? Like, no, you you do have to put a little bit of trust in certain places, but you 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 with Bitcoin, you can you have that decision of where to place your trust. You can kind of like pinpoint it. You, well, you I mean, you, just can like verify, you can verify in other ways too, you know? So yeah, you may not be able, you can verify in other ways too. You may not be able to yes. verify the code yourself, but if you have trusted resources that tell you, you know, this has worked for me and this is what, you know, this is why, you know, um, it's an, it's entirely different than the current financial system. 100%. So, like with with Bitcoin, you learn how it works, and then you decide how you're going to use it. With the current financial system, they tell you how you're going to use it, uh-huh. and they tell you like that you can't use it. This is you're, how you're going to use it. You're excluded unless you follow all these rules. So you must use it in this way and with these rules. And with Bitcoin, it's the exact opposite. Um, you're not required to use it. And then you have to like figure out how it works for yeah. How how it can improve your life. You know, some people it's it's you know the savings aspect, which has done wonders for me as far as saving my time and value. Other people see it as, you know, you know, a way to there's just so many attributes to it and certain depending on your your situation and perspective you would you know put those attributes in a different hierarchy like for me right now like it being a savings vehicle is is more important than its inconfiscatability right because yeah at this or moment, censors, censorship resistance correct like so you yeah. know someone from someone that's you know um living in maybe say china right now like there's a lot of stuff going on with their zero covid policy and people pushing back and like Imagine being a, a a user there. You're worried about you know privacy and and keeping your family safe and and being able to maybe you know get out of that country should you choose to with your value. So there's and that's what we were kind of talking about before. How can Bitcoin work for you? Like it's 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 crazy because it's it's such a, like a in relative spec like a small code base from how I understand like lines of code wise and like the robustness that you can use it for and, and the, the malleability is just like, that's what really was crazy for me. Cause I, like I said, I never thought about money. And then hearing these stories of, you know, protesters and then the whole shit in Canada where you do have a major government that just like freezes bank accounts because people are protesting. Like 
It's the same thing I said before about like Twitter with Trump. Like I was never a Trump fan. But if you can't look at that and say, wow, they banned a sitting president, like the precedent that that sets and then like the image that comes after, like regardless of what side you're on, like you should be able to sit here and say, that's not a good idea. Same thing with the Canada stuff. Right. And these people were just, you know, I wasn't there, but from what I understand, they were just kind of honking horns. I get public nuisance, all that shit. I understand that. But that deserves them the right to just, you know, cut off their, you know, them from their banking system. And people just yeah. overlook the fact that, you know, you enact these policies because your government's in power. And in four years, it's probably going to be the government you probably hate. And they have the exact same power that you just, you know, like, because once again, Anthony, everybody is so short sighted. They're thinking about today and tomorrow. They're not thinking about four years from now or 10 years from now. Well, yeah, nobody when looking at a political policy, I, I feel like a lot of people don't think about what it would be like if the people they don't like have the ability to do that thing. So I have a great saying. I don't want to interrupt yeah. you, but it, no, it is, go ahead. Yeah. It is any pol anything a politician you love can do to someone you hate. A politician you hate can do to somebody you love. And it is that to a T that it's like it, yeah. it, it's up for once it's enacted and is a power, you know, eventually someone you don't like is going to have that power. Right. And that's why money sucks. Is because controlled by those in power. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible, man. Yeah. So, so, you know, when Democrats are in power, they use the printing press to do the things that they want to do. When Republicans are in power, they use the printing press to do things that they want to do. And then mm -hmm. what you end up with is just a whole bunch of money that's not <laughs> worth anything anymore. Yeah. A bunch of stuff that didn't get accomplished because for, you know, it could just be incompetence or it could be corruption. But to to have like a four to eight year cycle monetary policy is kind of weird. Yeah, it, like it's very volatile. <laughs> it's extremely volatile. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny to bring this up is um, when people talk about the volatility of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's always volatile priced in dollars. But nobody yeah. ever like flips that chart around and go like, holy shit, the dollar's lost 99% of its value. Well, it's all like years. we talked about before. We are, you know, I, somebody else I remember seeing recently was talking about it like, you know, like you have the fiat OS operating system. And it's not until you upgrade where that whole mind shift changes to where like, yeah, it, it, it depends on your base. OK, so the reason that our dollar sucks is because it doesn't hold a certain like stagnant value. And that is what alludes to having like poor markets and, you know, it's be, you don't have free markets because the, the thing you're using to value those markets is manipulated. Right. So it, it, once you grasp that and then you understand money and the effects it plays of that, I think that helps becoming a Bitcoiner. But there's so many people who like either don't care or just never like bothered to learn. I, I think a lot of people don't have time. Right. People are pe we're like you work in. 40 hours a week, you got a family, you have time to, you know, look into what, you know, money is most times, probably not like it, you have to like dedicate time to this. It's got to be something you want. Yeah, well, it's not easy to understand. That's for sure. No. And, yeah. and but I, what I will say is, you know, I feel like when I first came in, it, people were open to questions, but they were much more, <clears throat> and maybe it's just bad, bad perspective that I saw. It was much more like, it was, it was a lot harder to like be taken seriously when I did have questions that might've, you know, sounded like i was just being a dumb troll you know when i like genuinely didn't understand something and i think over the last like four years um at least the community that i've seen and interacted with especially on bitcoin twitter 
Um, cause before that it was Reddit and that was terrible. Um, um, but it's just, just like, same thing with we talk about with stack chain, Anthony, where it's like this subset of like, you know, it's we're a subset within a subset within a subset. There's just like holes to this. You got Bitcoiners and then you have like maxis and then you have like the stack chainers who are literally stacking every day, regardless of price. Right. Like what's more maxi in my mind than that? Like where, you know, even if it's like, well, today, I, I mean, talk to somebody who's into Bitcoin privacy. Yeah. And that's you what they think is stack chain. Exactly. And that's like right. we talked about, you know, like there's certain everybody has their prerogative. Um, I mean, we could talk about that. I always said that, you know, yeah, people are, are showing that they're buying Bitcoin and they are using a KYC exchange, which is obviously not preferred. I don't think anybody would sit here and tell you, yeah, I'd rather you buy KYC Bitcoin than non-KYC Bitcoin. 100% buy non-KYC Bitcoin. That, that's, that's the dream here. Okay. But not everybody, um, one, has the technical level to acquire um kyc bitcoin either through mining um you know you'd have to put up like an order on disk or robosats that's some of the more common ways or peer-to-peer -peer. like i don't know anybody that's got bitcoin and the people that i do know aren't going to sell it to me <laughs> you well, know because is it your threat model because you just got through talking about what so like the needs of a bitcoiner in china are very different than the needs of a bitcoiner in the united states and yeah you know it's I mean, while I have like a strong distrust of the government, mm -hmm. I don't have a strong distrust of the government like citizens of China have a strong distrust of their government. Sure. You know what I mean? So I could mm -hmm. say whatever. I, I could say that, you know, the U.S., you know, Washington, D.C., deep state, whatever. But no one's going to kick down my door and make my family disappear. Right. Now. <laughs> that happens over yeah. there. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, um, and, and and I like what I say yeah. I don't want to think we're just trying to shit on people that like I said KYC free is is the ideal and having that information readily available for those who do need it is very important, right? I mean, we you talk about it in spaces all the time, um, you know, privacy stuff with you know when you withdraw doing things to try and you know hide what you're doing, um, so it's not easily trackable by the proof that you might have put up on Stack Chain. Um, and at the end of the day, if that's not for you, that's not for you. It's like, no one's telling you, you have to do this. Like that was my whole thing too. Like I get it. And I'm glad that you are, you know, if you want to use this as a point of, you know, contention to reach more people. Sure. That's why I just said, Oh, here we go again. You know, cause we went through this like three months ago with this. Well, and we, we, we can't, we can't lose as Bitcoiners. We can't lose. Right. Yeah. I'm getting so more sats. Like stack, stack chain is not really for like new people. Sure. Like you're not going to be like a no coiner and then come into stack chain. We're just not, <laughs> we're not your speed. Like you're not, yeah. you're not ready for you're not going to keep what up. We're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, if, if you've been a Bitcoiner for three or four years and you've come to the conclusion that stacking sats is not just good for you, but it's good like for the world, mm -hmm. you know, because you're increasing scarcity, you're taking Bitcoin off of exchanges, which means you're, you're helping to eliminate the power of paper Bitcoin. You're yeah. undermining, you're undermining seniorage, you're increasing, you know, personal sovereignty and teaching other people. All that stuff is great. And if there's a, a privacy Bitcoiner, like one of these Bitcoiners that are all about, we need to figure out how to do this in a way that's 100% not, not tied to your identity, can't be traced, can't be tracked, and all privacy, privacy, privacy. Um, people that listen to them, they are either 
they're, they're either going to listen to them and then they're going to become like these uber super super private bitcoin users mm-hmm. which that doesn't cause me a problem that those exactly. people exist i'm glad those people exist because one day i might need to learn something from those guys right percent if if somebody listens to them and they're just like well no that's uh you, you're taking a little bit too far like mm-hmm. i don't need to like erase my phone and you know run an open source you know FOSS uh operating system or whatever like I don't Cali or that. something yeah well that means that person is like has like evaluated their their threat model and they've yeah. learned something about about themselves there's there's some a lot of people say that there's like wrong ways to bitcoin and yeah. there's kind of like not wrong ways to Bitcoin. I mean, the only wrong way to Bitcoin is to have zero. You that's, yeah, that's yeah. clearly wrong. That's the and, only wrong. And to let somebody else hold your Bitcoin like an exchange, that's about as equally bad as having zero. You yeah. know, otherwise, you, well, you do have zero, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, you have kind of you have you've a got you got bits on. Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got numbers on a computer that tell you yeah. that you have Bitcoin. It's the same thing with dollars in our bank account, man. It's just numbers. Yeah. Like that's all it is. It's all about, you know, you still gotta ask permission to get it. So until you have your keys in your, you know, that you control and no one else does, I my in my opinion, you don't have Bitcoin. Now, does that mean you're not a Bitcoiner? No, you're just still on your journey, right? That that's a part of it. Um, you can be a Bitcoiner without having Bitcoin. That's all, that's how I think. Like be, having Bitcoin obviously would help to to you know to solidify you as a Bitcoiner, I guess. But you could you could you could be a Bitcoiner and not even know it. Like you can come in with the same ethos and mindsets of like time preference and you know wanting sound money. That's why a lot of like gold bugs kind of just they're Bitcoiners, but they just don't know they're Bitcoiners yet. You know what I mean? Like you see sure, some of these sure. these big gold bugs that you know find Bitcoin and realize like oh this is this is you know equally as important, if not more important than gold for, for sound money. Um, so I think that's a big concept. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, what we were talking about before with fear comes into play with logic because a lot of these gold bugs just can't hear it. Mm-hmm. They've just been doing they and I kind of feel bad because sure. for decades and decades, these guys were right. Yeah. You know, it- and if Bitcoin wasn't around, Anthony, and we stumbled into this money, we would probably be gold bugs because that is honestly, besides Bitcoin, our next best option. But that's already been, you know, co-opted and paper Bitcoin or paper gold and all that. But we we would have, if we were a sound money advocate, you would be a bit a gold bug. It was the fact of the way we came in where we kind of discovered Bitcoin and then discovered sound money, right? That solidified you as Bitcoin because you're like, why? I already know about this great money. When you're a gold bug first, it, it, like you said, it is that big step. It's the same kind of mindset shift from going from the fiat world of shit coins and number go up to stacking sats and and saving for future value. That's a, that was yeah, a really well, good point. And a lot of these gold bugs, you know, they're older people, and they had more personal experiences with like 1971, you know, where it all went down, and and they've lived an entire life of like fiat debasement um Mm -hmm. but man it sucks so bad for them because it's like the papering over of gold has undermined the reality of their argument you know and now here's bitcoin 
which is everything, you know, has all the principles of everything that they've stood for their entire lives and they just can't do it because they can't hold it in their hand. Just that one little Well, I also thing. think part of it is the, you know, what's the, uh, like the sunken cost fallacy where you like, you, yeah. you don't want to pull out from something because you're already so invested in it. And that's the big thing too, where you're just kind of, you know, you gotta, you gotta overcome that fear. I think that's, I'm pretty sure sunken cost fallacy. It had, they talk about, it's the fear of, of losing the value that you already attributed to something. Um, and staying in it rather than, you know, pulling out what you can and, and trying something else. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's definitely fear. Um, and it does suck because like you said, they, they were right. I mean, they are right. They're just they're, getting, they're still they're right. Yeah. yeah. They're just yeah. getting screwed. I mean, it, it sucks, man. Um, and like, kind of like, go ahead. Well, and I think the money as a technology thing is, escapes them because, uh, money is a technology. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's um, that's part of the learning process because we just grow up with slips of paper that represent value. But, you know, money has like an engineering purpose of, you know, tra- of, of like the communication of value between one individual and another. It's not, you know, it's the most saleable good. It has to be divisible. It has to be portable. It has to withstand time and mm-hmm. be scarce. Which, you know, dollars do all of these things except the scarce part. But I think gold bugs are so tied to money is a commodity. Like, you know, it's not a technology. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good. Yeah, they're really tied to the it's, it's a good as opposed to it's an engineering solution to a problem. Money is an engineering solution to a problem. Yeah. Which means, you know, you can make it better. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was really funny because my grandfather died maybe when I was like 15 or something. He used to collect coins and stuff. And um, and my uncles and my other uh, cousins and stuff, no one really cared about them. So I got them. And that's what like started the um, – because I, I was like – I didn't know anything about them. I just thought they were cool. Right. And that's kind of like, I, I did that. And then I, you know, learned about like silver and like what coins to keep that were actually made of silver, like pre 1964 nickels and certain dimes, like were actually made of silver. Um, so I would collect those cause I worked at like, you know, my late teens, I was working at the, the same place I work now, but I was just working up front as like a clerk, you know, selling cigarettes, stocking shelves. And so I would come, you know, people have a lot of change and I would, find the coins I wanted and would keep them. And I, I guess realizing that I, I had this kind of idea of what was actually like, I knew that I wanted to keep silver, but I didn't know why I wanted silver. Right. I knew, you know, it was like, this is, this is something that's actually money. How do I'm trying to say this? Sorry. I was keeping it for not the reason of it being better money. It was just different and not like the stuff we use today. So it was just, it was just different. And that's why I kept it. And then like, after I learned about money and realizing like the whole concept of it, it was like, Oh, I was just like, I got lucky. And then I started collecting bills, but the best thing I ever did was sell all those shitty paper bills for Bitcoin. (laughs) Well, without you knowing it, you realized that the silver coins, the, the U S money that was actually made out of silver was unique and special because it Mm -hmm. was rare. Yeah. And you 
fair inherently point. just figured out that scarcity has value. Mm-hmm. So I should hang on to these because there's less of these than these yep. other ones that aren't made out of silver that they yeah. can pump out by the millions. They're not doing that with these. Thank you uh, for wrapping that yeah. up in a nice bow for me. Cause no, I, could not. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I, I love it because I feel it and I can understand like the appreciation of coins and stuff like it, you know, it's cool. I, I had silver and gold coins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now I just collect yeah. hyperinflated bills. So yeah, but that's uh, but you that's don't do different. that because you find like value in them necessarily. They're just yeah. super interesting to you. Yeah, yeah, especially especially after the Bitcoin rabbit hole. But yeah, um, yeah. I honestly don't remember where I started, why I started on that coin story. But sorry. <laughs> well, because we were talking about how the gold bugs like they have oh. it right, but they just yeah. can't make this this one last little leap. And I feel bad for them because I, I think. I think we wouldn't have Bitcoin if it wasn't for them. So I bet you that whoever inspired Satoshi, whether it was whether Satoshi was an individual or a group of individuals, they obviously had a very clear understanding of sound money, of hard money. Mm-hmm. And whoever they were, they probably learned it from gold bucks. Oh yeah. Well wasn't you know? um wasn't wasn't Chami and Ecash one of the uh references in the white paper? Which I'm pretty sure, or no, no, not that. Sorry, the Bitgold was that Zaba. Bitgold, yeah. So like all, all of this, this idea of sound money before Bitcoin, what it was gold. That was your soundest yeah. money, right? And so if you're trying to create a better money, you know, uh, having gold there, obviously, it's like you know, what do they say? Like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Like gold did this for thousands of years. You, you know, you just bring up an interesting point that I think a lot of people don't hear enough and and one of the one of the criticisms of bitcoin is that bitcoin is like the early technology oh yeah and my face yeah that it's you know so it's going to be replaced by something better and what people don't understand is that there was many many attempts to do this before bitcoin and just mm-hmm. like you just brought up like uh bitcold and hash cash and, and there's all these things where people have been trying to do this for a long time and it didn't work for a variety of reasons most of it appeared to be uh centralization yep yep you know definitely they um they would gain some traction and then somebody wouldn't like what they were doing a government or whatever and they say hey you guys need to knock that off and because it was centralized on somebody's servers they just you know send lawyers yeah, or, or maybe, maybe men with was, guns or whatever there was a guy that did the liberty yeah. dollars i don't know if you know about that and it was just one dude doing it and they came and they arrested him and they threw his ass in jail and then that right. was the end of liberty dollars right the, the the fact that it is decentralized and there is no bitcoin headquarters to go knock on and and serve a warrant or you know whatever they would try to throw at it is is i didn't even know the the value of decentralization before I'd, or sh- I knew it. I just didn't appreciate it. I guess right. And then seeing how it, how it is, um, how it changes the whole dichotomy of money and economies. Realizing how it can change other things, like um, you mentioned before, um, you and Skinner were talking about like not your keys, not your data, and how much yeah. data we just give <laughs> to everybody. I was talking to my cousin yesterday, and another little saying I love to drop is, you know, you've heard it. If you're not paying for a product, you are the product. Yeah. To something like if you're not paying for something, they're taking the data and 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 your your marketing likes and all that shit, and they're turning that into something they can sell. 
And, you know, my cousin's like, oh, that's an interesting, you know, way of looking at it. I'm like, well, you know, there is no, once again, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Like there is always economic value being gained or lost somewhere. It's not always. So there's a reason why these companies that largely have free products are multi-billion dollar companies. It's not because they're giving stuff away for free. No, exactly. Exactly. They just, you know, they, they aggregate people and. You know, they offer a service that people find value. And, and, you know, I'm not shitting on that model because I, I don't agree with it, but it is a viable business model, right? You offer a product that people want. And in turn, whether they know it or not, or giving you data about them that, that you can then sell to people who want to know that stuff. Um, you know, obviously, if there was a way to have it completely, you know, obfuscated and like encrypted and so that, you know, you couldn't go look me up in the server and see all of my, you know, porn search histories or whatever you know what i mean like the fact that it's not a single place and that you can't attribute one to you know it's the pseudonymity of big uh, this i always butcher this word pseudo anonymity of bitcoin <laughs> where you you know you can track wallets but, well thank you thank you thank you uh, <laughs> but, uh you can track the wallets but you can't make that connection to a, a human person unless there's that kyc link which you know brings you back to that is why there is such a focus on you know, trying to get KYC free Bitcoin and not having that established connection. Um, well, yeah, and KYC is attached to your identity. It's not actually attached to the Bitcoin, right? Like once the Bitcoin goes out into the wild, if I correct. buy 100 Bitcoin and that's correct. KYC, the government knows that I bought 100 Bitcoin. That's what KYC means. And that's all it means. If I send one bitcoin from me to you that one bitcoin isn't kyc'd well they well it's not it's not like there's a label on it that says this is anthony's bitcoin but because the blockchain is transparent right they can see that well what it would be is you're you know we have to lay some fundamentals are you on an exchange right so you you buy a hundred bitcoin on on you know whatever ftx well guess what it's gone anyways um you buy it on an exchange (laughs) And you're transferring it out like you have to put a withdrawal wallet address in there. And that, I'm sure, is being tracked. So when they go, hey, you know, Anthony bought these 100 Bitcoin. Where did he, you know, was there any um, withdrawals from his account? Oh, here's the address he withdrew to. So then that's the link that they make. That's what, you know, that's the very, we could do that. If we know your wallet, <laughs> you know, where you're withdrawing from, you could track something. But it's, if, it's, the, it's the government having the list of all your information connected with a, a regulated exchange that has to give that information should they ask, right? That's the connection that once that's established, um, unless you do some mixing or some you know, well, collaborative I mean, spend. It, it, basically, the idea is like that KYC information is not held on chain. So Okay, correct. That's all external I, to the network. Yeah, it's, it's, it's external to Bitcoin's network. Bitcoin doesn't know that it's KYC'd. Okay. It doesn't know that it's not KYC, and that yes. one that one UTXO that I sent to you, it doesn't know that it used to belong to me. And then when you spend half of it and give it to your your neighbor for mowing your lawn, and and then you keep half of it and it gets split up, they don't. Bitcoin doesn't know that you know four transactions ago that used to be Anthony's Anthony's Bitcoin. Hundred percent so, correct. So. The KYC part only applies to the government's knowledge that I bought and or sold it. And that's um, 
people people seem to have this opinion like it's painted onto the Bitcoin in some way and yeah, it follows it that's forever. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. As it travels around in the wild, you, you have no idea. I mean, you know, people make uh, how many Americans have made donations to people in other countries for various yeah. things, donations to El Salvador, to Nigeria, mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin Island or whatever. You know, that's just Bitcoin that just flowed into there. At one point in time, like 99% of that was KYC Bitcoin from some, american and that bitcoin is never going back to that guy's account no yeah because now it's gone to el salvador and now it's bouncing back and forth between you know the lady that sells pupusas and and the waiter at the hotel or whatever just bouncing around until it ends up at some bitcoin atm where somebody deposited and pulls out cash Mm -hmm. and then it gets re-kyc'd so technically speaking that this this just for the sake of numbers, let's say it was one Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know. So I bought a hundred. I sent one to El Salvador. It bounced around the El Salvadorian, you know, uh, economy, and then came out the other end at an ATM. That one Bitcoin has been KYC twice now. So who is it really attached to? Well, yeah. Well, I guess I guess the best way to I guess to clarify that it's the UTXO that is KYC, right? Right. Because once it's then, but then once that UTXO is destroyed and a new one is created with a new output, um, it's not fundamentally there. Um, I, and that's I think a big point. One thing I want to bring up is that's why people talk about like making hops and and you know oh I always bring up that coin joining and collaborative spends are good for forward looking privacy but doesn't break backwards looking privacy. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? Like that without that, because of how easily you can traverse the blockchain and 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 follow transactions back through the network, you know, all you need, like that singular link to that UTXO in the beginning, um, and that wallet that you withdrew from that I think that's one of the biggest things people should should, you know, if you if you are buying KYC coin, you should have almost like spin up a different if you can spin up a different wallet every time you're withdrawing from uh, an exchange. So it's not, it's not everything. Obviously it's a different address, but I'm talking like a whole different like wallet, like uninstall your shit, create a new seed, have it be brand new because as you pull more to that, you're just like building that profile because all these things must work off of like probability. How probable is this person's, is this person's UTXO from this guy here? And as you do more steps in between and in different wallets and, and I think Moon is a really good option because you can get on chain, send out lightning really easy. And that that helps to break those links. You just need to do it. We talked about this before. You just need to not be the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, we've had conversations about this, but I'll go ahead and say it anyways. Like my threat model is not the government. You know, my threat yes. model is leaving a trail behind that somebody can find not the government that can cause me problems, either a hacker or wrench attack or something like that. Right. Correct. And so because of institutions like the IRS, because of, you know, KYC and AML laws, they already know that I buy Bitcoin. Yeah. And, you know, buying Bitcoin is not illegal. So (laughs) I have not broken the law. So I don't really have any, any concerns just to the fact that I bought Bitcoin. Um, I know that the thought process is, well, what if one day Bitcoin is banned and then Mm -hmm. they'll come after you? All right. You know, then I guess that happens. 
Well, um, see, Anthony, it, though, if that happens and we yeah. have Bitcoin, we can just go to favorable jurisdiction if we have to. I mean, obviously, if you, you know, not everybody has enough. I don't have enough Bitcoin to just up and move. But, <laughs> you know, I can I have the ability to take my value with me wherever I can get to. And yeah. that 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 whole thing, too, is just. Well, because I mean, there have been times in history where people had to flee with their wealth. And it's much easier to flee with your wealth stored in Bitcoin than than anything else. I mean, how many stories are there of like, you know, Jews fleeing Nazi occupied Germany, you know, like with lining. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah gold hangers and lining of shirts yeah, gold so that they like, could smuggle it out. And sometimes they sometimes they made it and sometimes they didn't. And mm-hmm. either way, it was a horrible, awful experience. Sure. And had they had something like like Bitcoin, you just remember your seed. And, you know, when the bad guys come to search you, they're not going to find anything because you don't physically have anything on you. So God mm-hmm. bless you. Hopefully you make it from the dangerous place to the safe place in one piece. <laughs> have I, you, if uh, you have Bitcoin, you know, that's better. Have, have you I, read Mandibles at all? Man, no. The book? Okay, no, so I, if, I don't know if you're a reader. I'm not much of a reader, too, but since you're a Bitcoiner and you're into like money and stuff, you should really read it. I mean, I know you're a busy guy. You got a, you know, you got a family and everything, but if if you're looking for something to read, they, I just got through one of the chapters in the book where like they basically like outlaw gold again, and you're not allowed to have like gold possessions. And it's the government coming into the house and searching the house and, you know, doing that whole raid. And it's like a young kid who's like, well, see, you have to understand this is, this is just like for show kind of, they're not expecting you know, to find the gold, they're trying to intimidate people to give up their gold, right? Yeah. Like they don't, they're not doing this. It's going to be the same thing. It's not going to, I don't think people are going to be going like the government, government outlaws Bitcoin. Are they going to come to my house? Um, maybe because obviously I'm KYC on certain things. Um, but also I think at that point we were, we would be already so ahead of that, that we would kind of know what's coming and we would, you know, I, I feel like Bitcoin would be on top of that. But maybe that's just <laughs> yeah. me being, you know, biased. Uh, Bitcoiners are very well prepared for things. We'll say that. Yeah. And, you know, it was just as a COVID, community. When COVID started and they were all like, you know, Bitcoin Twitter was like, you guys should buy some math. Like Bitcoin Twitter was on that before anybody else was on that. Like, you know, because one, they also understood what was coming with the, you know, the the economic situation and this demand for masks that, you know, you see six months later, even if, you know, regardless of whether you think a mask works or not, if you wanted a mask, you couldn't even get one. Like I worked at a store, like a, like a corner store where I had to tell people to wear a mask to come in. Like that was our local jurisdiction and what the laws were, you know, with all this shit going mm-hmm. on. And I couldn't even get a mask to give somebody because I couldn't buy them. Right. I couldn't even buy them for my guys. Like we had to <laughs> buy like the most janky from some janky website, super untrustworthy. Like, they, because Bitcoiners understood how economies work and they have a good grasp on it, they they knew like, oh, you should be buying masks right now. They were they were on it, dude. It was it was freaky how much they were on it. Nice. Well, my guy, we have blown well past an hour. Okay. So I told you I could <laughs> ramble, Anthony. No, this this is fantastic. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, before we go, um. What advice would you give a new Bitcoiner or a person new to Bitcoin? Like, what is something you wish you had known? Um, I don't know. I, I that's, that's I'm like stumped. No, not to say that there's nothing that I this wish. This is a hard question. I, I wouldn't have know. to like stop asking this question. 
Well, no, I, think, I think it's a good question, Anthony, because I, I want to make sure I, I have like a well thought out answer. Because normally I would just blurt out, like, do your own research. Like, yeah, you can, you know, even if you can't read, like I talked about before, if you can't read the Bitcoin code and you can't audit it yourself, you know, find educated people that you can trust in, in the space that you feel have the same interests aligned and, you know, or for the same mission as you. And, and you know, ask questions. I think that's the other thing. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I was ask for a long time. Great. You know, reach out to people. I, you know, I, one of the first guys I remember reaching out to on Bitcoin Twitter was Ronan Miner because he literally had in his like bio was like, you know, all ans all questions are okay if they're in good faith type of thing. Like we're like basically saying like you can reach out and even if you have a dumb question or I, you know, you ask some type of shit coiny question, if you're asking in good faith, you will get an answer. Um, so ask questions. Um, most people watching this are probably already stack chainers, so we all agree that we don't even check the price anymore, right? Like we, it's stack height. Like what? Where's the stack chain at? Um, for the people that do still look at the price all the time, like that was me. I used to always have a ch chart up, like no matter what I was doing, just because I was interested and I'd want to know if it pumped ten percent or even if it was like two percent. I don't know that I was still, I was still attracted to it because of the price, the exchange rate of it. And now it's like. Even before stack chain, I just, you know, I didn't check prices nearly as much. And I just had this like sever of, you know, why I was here. And like, you know, we all talk about being convicted and convicted and having this conviction and and like just really doubling down on it. Um, and like I said, meeting the people, meeting all you guys out at PB was was fucking awesome. Um, so if you can get to a Bitcoin meetup, even if it's just something small in your hometown, do it. It, I mean, like I said, it, it lit a fire under my ass to uh, kind of get out of this like complacent job I've been in. Um, and um, it's just there's just nothing like it, man. I'm looking forward to next year already. Nice. I, th I think ask questions is an excellent answer to that to, to the question, um, because if you're asking questions then you're seeking truth. Yeah, 100 percent. And in all in all the bad things in the world where people want to do bad things to you or take from you or steal from you, they don't want you to ask questions. Mm -hmm. They want to tell you what is what and don't ask questions. Believe me, believe what I'm saying. I am the authority. Bitcoin doesn't ask you to do that. Bitcoin says, ask all the questions. Yeah. You can ask whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Fully transparent. Uh, all right, man. Well, I'm going to sign off with that, guys. All right. uh, False, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. As Ask always, all the Anthony. questions. <laughs> well, for people who don't, don't know, too, me, sorry, Anthony, to interrupt you, but we, I knew Anthony before uh, he was the, the guy, but, you know, the face of Stack Chain. We fell in together in Guy Swan's group. Um, so this is a good dude. And it, it's really, like I said before, it's really cool to have done this but also have done it with somebody that I knew beforehand. We didn't interact nearly as much as we do now. And just like having this as something to uh, bring people together that I, you know, were acquaintances with um, is really rewarding. Um, well, so and, you know, that's the, that's the purpose of this false is because yeah. I met so many amazing people that all of you have interesting things to say. And, you know, there's so much in the Bitcoin community that doesn't get shared. And, you know, what's my mantra on spaces? There's there's nothing there's nothing that I'm going to say that hasn't already been said better 
by somebody else, but I just might be the guy that says it in the way that you need to hear it and in the time that you need to hear it. Well, you know what, False? You might be the guy. <laughs> and Skinner might be the guy. Yeah. And Tao might be the guy. You know, there, there's a lot of guy. wisdom in Bitcoiners. Bitcoiners, may, maybe it's just a phase of adoption that we're in, but Bitcoiners <laughs> are kind of like above average in motivation and desire to seek the truth because it's once you get past number go up then it's about like philosophy and like understanding the world and seeing it in a different more honest way and that's kind of what this show is about because i know that there's a lot of really good people that have a lot of really good stuff inside them and they're not going to end up on a show <laughs> and they and they should yeah, unless you, unless you catch one of the random spaces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So with this, guys, um, like Fall said, don't be afraid to ask questions and have fun stacking sacks. Feeling brown, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip. Got me feeling kind of sad, but we glad. I see you your whole bag. I'm selling my cares to get a couple sets. I'm sucking next week because I hit my limit. Never with a swan just to get some digits. Good for you to stay back. I ain't talking fence. Yo Q, I like what you're doing There's a fork up on the tip and it's leaving me clueless Stacking sets up on the chain, taking up my whole day Hella blocks up in the noties that we had to validate So stack a block, join a block